and video recording all right welcome to uh the benzo rehab dungeon sort of religious uh, uh deconstruction episode 12 it's been a while since we had one of these i'm happy to welcome back to uh welcome back to the dungeon uh jacob uh friend friend of the dungeon big big sweetie um jacob how how have you been uh pretty good um i think uh i think we're rounding the corner on covid maybe um (laughs) i've only only gotten two uh two doses of the mark of the beast so okay yeah good hoping you know i gotta i gotta get my third so i can yeah I'm, i'm i do have i do have dreams at night where uh Bill Gates is is uh, violently <laughs> flogging me, so I think <laughs> you've been having I'm, those too. Okay, <laughs> that yeah, was just me. Wheel my wheel my ass into the shop, and yeah. you know, we'll get a little uh, tune up of the uh, of the joy juice. You, you're getting that uh, that update required notification in the uh, the bottom right yeah. corner of your your eyesight. Yeah, they're just gonna start like bricking uh, my body at this point. <laughs> That's kind of sexy, if I'm being honest. On the uh, software update, but yeah, uh, back in the dungeon, I think appropriately uh, show appropriately titled for, I guess what we're talking about today, with yeah. uh, loosely um, the credulity people have towards conspiracy theories regarding uh, sex trafficking. And uh, or the lack thereof in sort of the way in which um, there are, you know, high profile kind of, I don't know what you even want to call it, like meme or ideological warfare like QAnon um, that, you know, I, I don't believe, I think there are some who would make the case that, or the strong claim that And at one time I did definitely believe this, that QAnon was um, sort of a psyop on the part of, um, you know, the intelligence community um, that was uh, disseminated with the intent to kind of um, delegitimize any other claims made about um, child sex trafficking, just in the sense that because QAnon is just so outlandish and so nakedly untrue and insane that any other sort of um, talk of, you know, say Epstein or whoever, that that would also be um, similarly similarly tainted. Um, But, you know, I think at this point, uh, the actors behind... um, behind uh, QAnon have been, you know, unmasked um, as, you know, private individuals, not, uh, not, you know, operatives. And I I don't see any reason to uh, doubt that. Um, Just, you know, I think, you know, to lazily refer to like HBO's documentary on the subject, you know, the, the, the guys who own HM are pretty, brazen in claiming responsibility because they're both fucking just weird 
the father son duo. I can't remember their name, but they're just both bizarre individuals. Yeah, I, would, um, I would say QAnon is probably a happy accident for a lot of uh, people in power, <laughs> more, more than something that they really were trying to control the the levers and operations of. It, it something yeah. that. Uh, became a very convenient thing that they could point to as look at these fucking lunatics of course we're not a bunch of uh pedophile right. sex traffickers or anything like that um right. and, you know the, the more we find out especially with like epstein and now like epstein's best friend magically killed himself in prison right. and there were no yeah. cameras on and it's like okay so this has happened in america and now in france and uh right yeah, well, and I think, I mean, I, just briefly on the QAnon thing and then to drop it because it's nonsense and not worth sure. <clears throat> Appropriately, by the way, I'm wearing my uh, oh nice my, my UN logo shirt. <laughs> um, you know, like Mike Flynn and his son uh, were, you know, uh, proponents of the theory for a long time. And I think Flynn, obviously, being the uh, the military establishment ghoul that he is, um, you know, regardless of whether or not he actually does believe in Q drops, you know, yeah, as someone with his kind of training and expertise, you know, he knows very well what and what um, something like QAnon does in terms of destabilization and uh fracturing political discourse or poisoning political discourse you know i mean it regardless of whether or not it was an intentional operation it 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 still functions like a work of psychological warfare because Mm -hmm. it because of the way in which it it uh you know, uh, warps the minds of the electorate or whatever you want to put it. But um, I, I think, yeah. that, you know, it kind of goes to show that uh, psychological warfare is actually incredibly easy. Like any fucking oh, idiot can do it. Um, easy. Like when you, when you talk about this on like a more personal level, like the, uh, like gaslighting is used way too often, of course, but gaslighting yeah. is a real thing and your average shitty uh, abusive boyfriend can do it uh, so right. why can't uh you know the the cia do it or or uh, yeah. I, I mean the the, <laughs> the cia put out those stupid fucking ads that were like i'm a girl boss queen with uh generalized anxiety disorder and so you know if you criticize yeah. me then think of all the identities you're uh you're also persecuting yeah um, yeah if you have a problem with uh droning Yemeni uh wedding parties than your uh your anti-BIPOC. Yeah, uh, right, exactly. <laughs> great. Um but yeah, you know, uh yeah, so like you mentioned, Jean-Luc Brunel uh died recently. That that was his um, name, yeah, I couldn't remember. Yeah, allegedly by suicide. Um similarly to Epstein under uh yeah problematic levels of um observation you know um almost intentionally not observing him or yeah you know and it's kind of like i mean part of what you know like i said part of what i find interesting is the i think epstein the epstein maxwell saga is one where normal people you know people who unlike you and myself uh don't think much about 
9-11 or JFK or the CIA or, you know, whatever, um, you know, normal people are like, yeah, what the hell? Like, this is weird. Um, but, you know, I think to me, something that a relatively simple question or proposition would be, you know, uh, as far as Epstein and Brunel dying uh, allegedly of suicide, um, or I mean, frankly, John Mac uh, is it John McAfee? I don't know his first name. McAfee, the you know yeah. the computer yeah. security guy, who was it was like a certifiable nut job, absolute also, maniac. Um, died. I, I remember his uh his like partner, former partner, but current partner. That it was a confusing relationship. She she once was like on record saying that he would just like play Russian roulette with himself sometimes and like scare the fuck out of her doing that. Like That's yeah, that guy's insane. a maniac for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, it kind of is an odd fact that two uh elite sex traffickers killed themselves. You yeah. know, it, it, by which I'm like, you know, in contrast, you know. Um, you know, serial killers who wind up serving life sentences, uh, white collar criminals serving life sentences. They're not, I mean, you've got to, you know, in, 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 you know, the difference obviously would be that in, in the, you know, with a, with someone pulling a Ponzi scheme, like a Madoff or something, you know, there, there is, conceivably a risk that they pose to other elites. But the fact of the matter is, you know, Epstein was the Epstein and Maxwell were the pimps to the Uber wealthy, the yeah. Uber powerful. Absolutely. Um, I, I don't think that um, they should be, I don't think anyone who, I mean, to me, anyone who is, has been documented as being on Epstein's plane does not deserve the benefit of the doubt. No, that person. Uh, uh, yeah, like that. That's so clear. Like, I don't know anybody who does sex trafficking. I'm going to go uh, on record saying that if if, uh, if I know you and you're doing sex trafficking, please tell me so I can cut better, you out of my life. Better quit. <laughs> yeah, better you better stop. stop. I'm not going to do anything to stop you, but you better change your act bucko um no like like uh you you hang out with some like and you know yeah the the, the plane like uh manifests you know like the passenger manifest um if you if you are on that fucking plane you fucking know there's there's no way you can't i mean you're you're flying to the fucking pedo rape island uh everybody knew what that was uh and it's and that's not even mentioning yet, you know, Maxwell's family history of being Mossad, you know, yeah. her father Mossad, um, her sisters Which which uh, a joke I always make about Mossad is uh, you mean Jewish CIA. <laughs> yeah, right. Well I mean yeah, it's Sorry, I should say work. I should say Israeli CIA, not Jewish. Um yeah. Not yeah. anti-Jewish or or anything. Um, yeah, um, I'm I'm anti the state of Israel because it's bad. Yeah, same. Um, but you know, it, 
I think it to me it really does make much more sense, frankly, that those are just pieces being taken out of play by executing them rather than uh, incarcerating them. Um, Without a doubt. And I think what'll be interesting to see with Maxwell is, as far as I know, I I I think that's why, honestly, like, because Maxwell is an outlier here and that she hasn't been killed yet. (laughs) Yeah, And and I think, I think it really just goes back to her family ties and she's kind of got protection because of that. And, you know, like, these are dangerous, weirdo, creepy people who will kill anyone and everyone, basically. But they weirdly still have like uh, allegiances, and I mean, it's just like you know, a uh, mob sort of uh, boss mentality, where like, hey, you were my buddy's kid, and you know, I can't do that to you. Um, yeah. Like whereas, woman- whereas Epstein was just some guy that you know managed to get rich off of being. Uh, yeah. A, a skeever and a fucking grifter that was like dealing with money all the time. Um, I think he was, I, I mean, I, I don't even think, I think he was positioned into that though. I mean, in terms of his, I, I mean, yeah, he, he didn't come from like meager background or anything like that, but you know, he was largely an outsider to the, to the wealthy class. Yeah, and, then, yeah. and then he managed to find himself in a position where, you know, he was working with very rich people. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, you know, I guess. I, I think. Uh, I, I, I just it's difficult to say what's going to happen in terms of Maxwell. I think as far as I know, her appeal was there was well there was the issue of a juror lying on their uh questionnaire but i think that's been dealt with but i mean yeah, yeah i mean you- it was this bizarre circumstance where because he didn't disclose that he had been sexually abused as a child yeah. uh, like now all of a sudden his his ability to judge this case is yeah. a suspect and it's like i, I mean uh we we talked about it on one of our um, main podcast episodes, but it's like at, at a certain point, like so many children are are being victimized in this way that like how can you? Yeah, how are you gonna? Yeah, yeah. So you know, either either you you know somebody who went through it, or or you went through it yourself. Um, yeah, yeah. There's there's no way to be. Uh, unbiased uh sort of observer or or jury in this in this case and um that doesn't delegitimize you know what what the jury thinks if anything if it's something you've experienced like because you know i i grew up in a very abusive household and i kind of have this like sniff test where i can just like smell when something's wrong in a situation and i can go no 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 i i recognize the smell and yeah. it's it's telling me that this is a bad situation um and i think that that's got to be something that exists with uh with you know uh, people who are victims of uh, sexual abuse as children um they have that same uh, sort of sense of things yeah yeah and i mean i think you know there's in terms of impartiality you know you're i don't think you know speaking as a lay person not you know, a lawyer, but I know a relatively decent, I think, amount about how trials work. You know, it, the, 
impartiality doesn't mean you're disregarding your experiences. It's just that it has to be sort of bracketed or subsumed to applying the law to the facts because um, you are uh, entitled to use your life experience um, to evaluate. Um, but yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, I, I think, um, I think part of her protection too, in terms of not only who she is, but I think she's controllable in the sense that because she, you know, I guess the theory that I subscribe to is definitely that she was the handler, not, or rather that she, you know, she was, she was more likely than not the actual intelligence operative, not Jeffrey Epstein. Um, yeah. It was, I mean, it, it seems, it seems like the the way it worked is she would, uh, you know, be the, the female face that kind of introduces herself to, to the girls. And because they're both, you know, female, then, you know, they, they have this kind of trust that's assumed or whatever. Yeah. And, and yeah, they, they kind of work it in that way that, uh, eventually it's, it's, it's a trap of course, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but she, I mean, I think it's reasonable to, where if someone to say, okay, of, of these three people, Epstein, Burnell, Maxwell, do we kill all of them? One of them, two of them, <laughs> none of them. It makes sense that she would be the one like, left like alive. Fuck, marry, kill, but it's like a keep alive, yeah, exactly. kill, yeah. kill. <laughs> she's the least likely to dime on anyone because she you know it's like it's uh it's the it's like there's a i think she probably understands the code of silence better sure yeah yeah um but you know so even aside from epstein you know i think um the you know, what's, in, I guess, notable about that uh, network is that there's obviously no, um, well, not maybe not obviously, but uh, there's not any overt religious um, aspect to it. You know, like they're not being, these, these women are not being trafficked for their adrenochrome or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> some deity, uh, they're just being not just they're being trafficked, you know, as, as, uh, in sexual slavery essentially. But, um, but then there are also like Epstein had that weird temple thing. And then also, you know, he's got all sorts of weird, uh, apparently he was very interested in uh, transhumanism, um, and like futurism <laughs> and trying to yeah. you know, extend life and all this stuff. Um, and, uh, and Maxwell's one of her sisters is a Peter Thiel Ooh. associate, um, which you know I don't know necessarily that he is invested that much in transhumanism, but you know Silicon Valley tech figure would be a resource. Yeah, he's, for he's a weirdo conservative tech valley guy. Yeah, um, but I think. You know, I think uh, there's, I think part of the reason that 
you know, I think I think there was on the on the sort of tinfoil hat end of the spectrum, the conspiracy inclined per, uh, end of the spectrum. You know, there was this sort of sentiment regarding the Epstein saga that um, it was not talked about or was not being adequately talked about in the media. Um, and naturally, the explanation was that, well, it's just not uh, prudent to essentially bite the hand that feeds and, right. <laughs> uh, you know, go after the rich. But I think also, like, there's just not really a whole lot of that is true. But as a function of that or related to that, you know, you can't sell this story without naming you know, Bill Gates, the Clintons, the Trumps of the world, you know, like it can't be talked about without very explicitly saying, you know, right. the, the people who run this country politically and economically are, you know, off on some private island fucking kids. Um, so whereas, you know, most like prior sort of uh, sex trafficking scandals, um, could be talked about because their salaciousness was acceptable. It didn't pose a risk. Um, you know, like there's, you know, Nexium, um, which I, are, I don't know if you're familiar with Keith Rainier. No, I'm not. No. He, it was basically an MLM style organization where he, um, what's interesting about him, I believe he actually, his family was, uh, like a Boston Brahmin, you know, blue blood type. Um, I think he came from old money, but he had a sex cult where he was branding women, like literally branding women um, in prison. And then um, Allison Mack, who I think was on like Buffy or something back in the day was a Lieutenant of his. And she's also now in prison. Um, and they're, these are all on sex trafficking uh, charges, um, which yeah, but it, but it was like a, yeah, it was a bizarre sort of like a lifestyle improvement cult, like a, like a new agey, you know, uh, personal optimization, like become the, become the woman you are meant to be type thing. Um, but, you know, I think nowadays it's much, it would be much I, like, you know, th- we're at a point historically where the more overt, overtly uh, religious uh, aspect of sex trafficking is fodder for entertainment, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm thinking of, like, you know, the first and third seasons of uh, True Detective, which are both more or less adaptations or tellings of the Franklin scandal. Um, the third season more uh, directly, but, you know, again, a story where there is, you know, to your point about this kind of sniff test, um, there's enough weird shit going on that you're like, yeah, okay, something, something's happening. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it not be, you know, cult um, of guys out in the woods dressing in robes and antlers, you know, sacrificing kids. But um, there certainly is um, 
I don't think it's unreasonable to assume that there is a market for uh, trafficked children. You know, I mean, yeah, it, and and you see, you see this. You know, this is uh, going going back to 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 the kind of people that are involved in this. Um, I I know people like to think that you know the royal family in in England is just like a. Uh, I guess vestigial organ sort of thing that like, oh, it doesn't really actually do anything. It's just, you know, a ceremonial so, sort of role. But um, that that family actually has a lot of power and influence. And, uh, you know, you see with uh, Prince Andrew, he uh, seems to have been shielded like directly by the queen for for many, many yeah. decades <laughs> with, yeah, with everything he was doing. Um, and and then you know there's there's other stuff that's come out where where um, uh, Prince Charles you know has these like land holdings that uh, they made special laws for so that he could like profit off of uh, being a landlord essentially which kill all landlords um, you mm-hmm. know as a basic rule um, also you know like yeah just just the the weird the weird uh, they 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 have a lot of strings that they can pull in the government. Uh, despite you know the the conception of them being kind of a vestigial ceremonial organ of of the the state they're they're still actually very much involved in the state and you know somebody like bill gates who bill gates has done untold amounts of damage to the education system uh he's buying up huge plots of land and and like starting to control a bunch of farming uh in America yeah. and, and stuff like that. And, all, and then the third world is basically preaching and practicing eugenics. It's just a, oh. it's just a, it's like the conservative, uh, the compassionate conservatism of the bushes. It's a yeah, compassionate eugenicism. Um, right. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it's kind of, It's also just kind of like if you think about like the the stereotype of the nerd. I mean, <laughs> all the people who are like who would be who I if someone told me like yeah that guy fucks kids, Bill Gates I would a hundred percent believe because he's a computer geek. Yeah, like you know some for example you know um, there was a uh, the case of uh, Operation Cathedral in the UK which started um, with a U, uh, U.S.-based investigation out in um, California. Um, but Operation Cathedral involved a months-long, years-long investigation into a child uh, pornography ring in the U.K. And the encryption used, to your point about like this, the degree of government involvement, the, the encryption that was used was government-tier Yep. encryption um it was mostly i believe it was like old it was outdated like soviet era russian encryption um and these are private citizens you know private you know yeah. <laughs> private citizens doing private this. citizens that just happen to have like militarized uh encryption cool. technology <laughs> yeah and i mean like i think there's a certain degree to which something like encryption, you know, uh, can be improvised or it's not exactly the right word, can be done by a private citizen um, in a manner in which, you know, say a private citizen cannot 
build uh, a Kalashnikov or an AR um, by them, like by their own hands. You know, you can obviously do a ghost gun and, and order parts and all this, but yeah, you can't just like go into your garage and be like, look around and see what you have and put together uh, a rifle in the way that some, uh, you know, uh, it, it takes a lot of infrastructure to make something like that. And it's weird yeah, that, you whereas, know, a random person would have that. Yeah. Whereas, you know, a private citizen can have the expertise very conceivably to do this level of encryption. Um, but, you know, I, I just, I guess, you know, taking a uh, circuitous route as we typically do. But, you know, the, the point really is, it, it's like the, it's curious that there is less outrage about this. Um, and I, I do really think that, you know, like it, it's actually kind of ludicrous to think, you know, that, that, um, you know, Twitter can be lobbied by the government to boot Trump. And yet, you know, uh, 4chan aside, or uh, uh, QAnon aside, 4chan and 8chan are used to disseminate like all sorts of crazy shit. It's entirely conceivable that they would be, and I'm not advocating that they should be or should have been shut down by the government, but it's entirely conceivable that it would have happened. Um, you know, I just don't think that, you know, uh, the they were allowed, it was allowed to proliferate because it served a purpose. Um, you know, I think part of the problem for the deep state, to use that term, it, you know, to mean what it means, not Trump, like, you know, it's un again, unfortunate that that term has yeah, been. Yeah, and, and maybe briefly I can just say, you know, the, the deep state was a term that was uh, coined to describe uh, Turkish, like, politics, essentially, which is where you had, um, you know, the, the uh, above-ground state that was, you know, actively working in politics yeah. or whatever, and then you had the deep state, which is all the moneyed interests that were kind of influencing all the above-ground uh uh state actors um and and this is true in america of course you know we, we have massive lobbying coalitions uh run by uh <clears throat> corporations and, and all these other moneyed interests um, yeah. so so the deep state is real uh but it's not like <clears throat> it's not like obama is still uh actually the president and running everything yeah. It's it's all these moneyed uh, corporate interests and and you know all the weirdo sickos that come along with them. And it's also worth mentioning uh, Peter Dale Scott, um, the poet and historian, his book Deep Politics on uh, the Kennedy assassination and sort of the long '60s and uh, the role of the CIA. And I think you know part of the part of I think what differentiates the like kind of Trumpian right wing tinfoil hat usage of um, the deep state versus like what it actually was intended to describe and what it actually accurately de describes or refers to is that, um, you know, uh, the Trumpian aspect or use of the term sort of 
assumes, well, one, it assumes a partisan bent. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it was. Uh... Assumes that there's this kind of like, lib- you know, the liberal globalist, whatever. Um, the deep, deep politics in the deep state are one, not partisan. They're not globalist. Uh, the, the, well, what, the, was, it, what was also funny about it was like Trump used it as like a, they're trying to take away my power sort of thing. And, and that's the complete opposite uh, of what the deep state is actually trying to do. The deep state right, wants to consolidate power so that all these unilateral decisions can be made. I think that's that is true. But I do think he was right to say that there were efforts to mitigate his um, agency, but that's because he was hostile to the intelligence agency. He was right, uncontrolled yeah, yeah. by, the, by or the central intelligence agency. Um, you know, I think, you know, uh, since JFK, every subsequent president has served at the pleasure of the CIA. Not Without a doubt. You know, there, there was this joke that was going around when like Trump was really going after the intelligence agencies and then like he uh, he kind of retracted a bit and like started being a little bit softer. And uh, mm-hmm. the, the joke that was going around was that the CIA showed him a, a previously unseen version of the JFK assassination, <laughs> like, like a, yeah. a different angle <laughs> of, of the JFK assassination. Yeah, it's like it's the. It's the Washington version of a horse head in someone's bed, you know? Yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, shape up or we're going to fucking ice you. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, I guess the, the point, though, was that, uh, you know, something like QAnon, even if it is not uh, an operation conducted by... Um, an intelligence agency like the CIA, which would have, you know, been the likely origin if it had been, um, it still serves their purpose. Uh, I think, you know, the- yeah, and, and you know, how, how much effort does it take to like influence the, the QAnon sphere? Like, uh, yeah, we're, we're little- talking about people who are posting on anonymous 4chan accounts. Um, all you have to do is is put one comment in a 4chan thread or or make a post on 4chan. Um, literally takes you two minutes to construct yeah. it, and and now you've shaped whatever you want the narrative to be. Yeah, um, there's no overhead for it. Yeah, there's there's no overhead for it. You 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 can have a a, a girl boss uh, with a generalized anxiety disorder uh, do that kind of shit. Um, <laughs> a, a latina girl boss uh, with generalized anxiety disorder can can influence 4chan yeah yeah i yeah well and that's kind of i think what's interesting just about that ad campaign specifically what's in what is interesting about that though is you know when people talk about um white supremacy and you know all of the you know upper echelons and it's in the elite institutions of the united states being um white male whatever the cia truly is like an exemplar of that uh understanding of how the world operates like as a matter of simple fact Mm -hmm. um the cia was founded by 
uh, ex um, Wall Street bankers, white shoe lawyers, people who were um, who were uh, uh, Ivy League graduates who then you know were in were officers. Um, you know, in uh, the Second World War, you know, some of whom worked for the OSS, some of whom did not. Uh, but the, but I, and I think, you know, that what's funny about to that ad campaign specifically, though, is that it does. I think there, there's a there's an anti woke tendency that set, that sort of like says, well, how can there be white supremacy or whatever if um, all these people are being all the POCs or whatever are being put in these positions? But I mean, truly, like the the white white supremacy as an institutional phenomenon does not require that it be enacted by white supremacists. Um, no, I, I, I say all the time that, you know, somebody like Kamala Harris has put more black kids in jail than, than any racist, uh, like KKK member. So, so, you know, it's kind of a, a perverse or ironic turn of fact that the people who, you know, uh, our cheerleaders of this uh, representational diversity and equality are, are, you know, fundamentally themselves reenacting and reinforcing white supremacy. Yeah. Assuming for the sake of argument that this phenomenon, this exercise of power, this flow of power is like, quote unquote, white supremacy, which I, I think is really is part of it, but obviously not exhaustive of what's happening. Like to, I, to me, like I don't yeah. think all that the CIA is um, a white supremacist institution. I think there are some who would be inclined to refer to what the CIA has done in uh, South and Central America as a white supremacist endeavor. I don't think that's accurate. Um, I don't think that um, well, you, you know. I, I think I think it's worth pointing out that. You know, when when you say white supremacy, um, what what has been considered white has always changed over time. The Germans at one point were considered dirty, swarthy people by most of the the Anglo uh, uh, people that were colonizing America. Um, and then really, what what it kind of boils down to is is this is a, this is a class thing. Um, where yeah. you know the definition of what is white now has shifted to do you have a lot of fucking money um we, we can see this in things like you know uh uh like beyonce queen b right uh she she runs sweatshops in in other countries um so you know she's she's not a liberator of the black race or anything like that she's somebody who is now at a point of wealth and prestige where she's, uh, you know, uh, running sweatshops in another country. And, and yeah. that's, you know, now she's part of, uh, the white class, I, I guess I would say, rather than like the white race. Um, she, she has the money and power to, to do these kind of things. And that, and that's ultimately what, what organizations like the CIA exist to serve is, is upholding that class and that power. <laughs> Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think the, 
your description, you know, sort of the the logic of it is that uh, whiteness is a proximity to capital, which I think is accurate. And I think, you know, I was having a conversation yesterday with a friend of mine who um, is much more, um, well, I, I'm not, I don't, I would not call myself a Marxist, um, but this friend of mine is, is a definitely like sort of an Orthodox Marxist. Um, I think probably more of like a, probably more of a Trotskyist, I think, than a, than a Marxist Leninist, but Th- those um, are the only good Marxists. So, so that's fine. Yeah. So but <laughs> what we were discussing was, you know, the fact that, you know, uh, she was, uh, vehemently anti-identity politics and i'm you know i think at one point i would have just as a matter of like fact universal been like yeah i'm anti-identity politics i'm not now um i think you know obviously like that has to be couched in the fact that like i I would say you know anti-identity politics as it's practiced in the united states where it's a matter of um commodifiability and recuperability by the state and, and corporations but you know um there's there's the the position of the worker is kind of tricky there because um you know there are, there's a, you know, there's obviously a rhetoric of appeals to identity um, where, you know, it's a, it's always on the person as a speaker or someone who is, the you know, has lived experience in whatever, you know, as a um, X, Y, Z. Um, and, and it's perfectly conceivable that someone makes an appeal to their class position um, within that, but it is, but typically what's interesting about those, those types of appeals is that they are never really, they're never really designed to or intended to attack the legitimacy of uh, whatever structure produces that the oppressed aspect of that identity, but rather to uh, validate and legitimize the that speaking position and whatever content that person is stating, just as a as a fact. Um, and the the pro- well, in the problem with the the position of the worker in terms of like you know woke identity politics, for lack of a better word, is that you know fundamentally uh, the being a member of the proletariat is not, um, it's a, it's a, it's not an identitarian question. It's a question of a relationship to capital and the means of production. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, to sort of channel like, uh, an Adolf Reed or Walter Ben Michaels or, uh, Ken Warren type stance, you know, um, in terms of the Americas, race has always been a tool or a prosthesis of capital. Um, and this is sort of the, the <laughs> factual crime committed by someone like Nicole Hannah-Jones 
where rather than ground her understanding of uh, the transatlantic slave trade or the production of race in the history of capital, it's simply a question, an ahistorical question of uh, the white hatred of the non-white, which is ludicrous um, to your point, you know, whiteness is a historically and geographically variable um, concept. And it's also a concept that, you know, is in of itself variably salient. To say that, um, you know, I think whiteness, whiteness itself is a concept which is really only salient in American I don't want to say only in American race discourse, but, you know, a European, uh, in European race discourse, it's much more national nationality origin or, or uh, linguistic origin that is uh, of issue, not, um, you know, the level of melanin in your skin. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, I've been reading black reconstruct. Well, I've been listening to the audio book of uh, Black Reconstruction by W.B. Du Bois. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, I can't read either. Yeah, well, I, my, <laughs> I I drive a lot for my job currently, so it's uh, convenient for me to just get it on audiobook and like listen to it while I'm taking a long drive. Right. Um, du Bois is fat. Yeah, I mean. But but yeah, um, <clears throat> you, you know, he, he talks a lot about. Well, I mean, it's it's obviously the Civil War uh, and and uh, everything that follows um, lead up into it uh, during the Civil War. Um, it's it's a fun read if you want to accidentally learn to hate Abraham Lincoln uh, because <laughs> it yeah. turns out that Abraham Lincoln was not pro uh, pro abolition or anything like that. That's something that he uh, came into like over the course of the war. Like, oh hey, we can uh, we can actually use the the black man to uh, to kill uh, these <laughs> insurrectionists. Um, but but you know to to you know talk more about the the point of what like whiteness is is considered to be uh there there uh, there's a point in the book where he talks about this um and it was one of the first battles that uh black troops were used in combat uh by the north and um all of the like military commanders were like awestruck by by the fact that you know uh, black men could also be militarized and also like uh, uh, kill and stab and maim the enemy uh, just, with, with more fervor than the the white troops, uh, in fact. And the reason mm-hmm. being, of course, because they were like motivated by not wanting to be slaves anymore. Um, but but that's like where the concept of uh, and, and I think this this ties into the concept of what america sees as whiteness but the 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 idea was that oh the 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 black man is a man mm-hmm. just just yeah. like any white man is because he's able to uh to act militarily in in this way and follow orders and take positions and you know conduct himself martially um so- yeah well, and like i mean just to hone in on the man aspect of it too, you know, I think the white supremacist conception of gender as it applies to black Americans is that it is basically, you know, the, to, to refer to it as a binary, just for the sake of argument, 
Um, and as it was treated historically, you know, the black men and black women were both these sort of exaggerated uh, versions of, you know, I, at once sub or non-human yeah. on that conceptual axis, but then um, on the on a gendered axis were exaggerations of um, whichever gender category they would have fallen under to the point of being not not you know non-binary in the sense of being neither male nor female but right like male or female par excellence you know where you know obviously there's the the trope of the black man as you know hyper violent there's the black woman as hypersexual um there's you know just this kind of degree to which they're a screen for uh what the white you know you know the, the whiteness is this sort of genteel polite waspish you know it's it's the why it mm-hmm. truly is what american whiteness is is waspness it's for sure this, <laughs> this stayed victorian uh you know uh, that, 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 just, that's another interesting thing that uh, that W.E.B. Du Bois notes in Black Reconstruction, which is um, um, immediately following the war uh, where you know, had a bunch of freedmen <clears throat> who were uh, getting involved in politics and, and kind of shaping the way that the, the South was being rebuilt. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm still recovering from a cold. This is the longest cold I've ever fucking had. It's not covid I don't know mm-hmm. what it is, but like, <clears throat> I don't know. I've I've been sick for like two weeks. It's uh fucking crazy. Um, but uh, I mean, I feel fine except for like I just have a cough here and there. Um, but um, it, he he notes that that like uh, interestingly, um, the South during Reconstruction, where you know black folks are now taking a more active role in voting and and uh, uh how society is being shaped um like twice as many churches started being built down there <laughs> like um <clears throat> and, so, and stuff like that and so it, you know it, it it ties back into you know the as they became more aligned with uh because you know capitalism was still the, the mode of uh economics at that time um they 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 embrace the the religious aspects of everything uh you know um to to a lot of uh black folks in the south the the civil war was was you know like the uh the revelation uh coming true where you know everybody's free now and uh, yeah all, all that sort of yeah, stuff yeah an apocalypticism yeah yeah yeah, well, and I mean, there's not really a uh, an analog in white religiosity. I think, you know, obviously, I think white evangelicals are, I mean, white evangelicalism is a death cult in, oh, without a doubt, in the sense of uh, their Zionism and their, I mean, their beliefs about what will happen in, um, 
you know, I was uh, I was having a conversation again where I was talking about this the other day, and I, I referred to it as uh, Israel, and somebody corrected me and said Palestine. And, you know, look, it, <laughs> they're, they're it, not wrong, it, but you're not wrong because Israel yeah, is in power. No, yeah, and and you know, uh, I mean, I, Israel itself as a term is just problematic because it is. Yeah, I mean, bringing back my grad school vocabulary, <laughs> it's poly, polysemous. It means multiple things. It refers to multiple things. But, you know, in terms of uh, Zionists, you know, it refers to a territory. White, white evangelical Zionism specifically, you know, refers to a territory. Um, white evangelical Zionism is itself anti-Semitic. You know, their of understanding course. of... Uh, the apocalypse is, you know, the battle of Harmageddon and uh, something like two thirds of uh, Jews will be uh, engulfed in flames because they don't take Jesus as their Lord and Savior and the yep. other ones do and blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, and I've, I think I've said this before on these episodes, but, you know, white, white American evangelicalism is you know, obviously there are uh, non-white evangelicals, there's non-white born-again Christians, but um, fundamentally the history of evangelicalism in this country is the history of white supremacy, of white resentment, of establishing a, in the same way that Judaism, like biblical Judaism and the, the, you know, arising out of a tribal culture amidst, um, uh, a popular, a surrounding population that was, um, you know, ethno-linguistically distinct from the people that would become the Jews, um, and religiously distinct. Uh, you know, there's the question of covenant, and in terms of white evangelical Christianity, that covenant is um, not miscegenating. Um, Whereas, you know, I think in Judaism, it's much more about an observance of divine law, whereas in Christianity, it becomes a question of mixture, like literal mixture, like physical, sexual mixture. Um, And so, you know, yeah, and that I, I, yeah, I think, you know, obviously in our own conversations, I've been pretty clear about my uh, my stand (laughs) Evangelicals, not a fan. I think they're bad people. Um, but uh, on record, evangelicals are bad. They are bad. It, they're they're bad. They're uh, they're a danger to democracy. They oh, are. That, uh, yeah. They are. Well, uh, well, and also, you know, bring bringing the conversation back to the CIA. It's a uh, weird, but uh, the CIA loves recruiting Mormons for some reason. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, I, and I think it's because they they have this apocalyptic like, view of the world. Uh, I think Catholics as well. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, um, I don't. Yeah, but I and I think the. I mean, in terms of you know Mormons and Catholics theologically are very different, obviously. Uh, but I think what they share though is, you know, the a very strict actual like infrastructure 
um, whereas, you know, Protestantism is so uh, diffuse and uh, anarchic, even though, right. you know, say there's, you know, the Southern Baptist Conference or, uh, you know, Lutheran uh, government. A Delusian <laughs> might say that it was a deterritorialization that was immediately re-territorialized. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, I think you could you could maybe say that, yeah. You can maybe say <laughs> That's very kind. <laughs> I haven't read the lose in so fucking long, man. I'm staring at a difference in repetition, but yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I just... Real quick, um, we, we haven't touched the book that you're reading yet. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, we're, we're like an hour in, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I need to refresh my drink, and I think I saw you're, you're basically out of your beer. Um I'm out of my beer. So let's take a like a minute break and then come back. Uh, sound good? Yeah. All right. Cool. Recording is off. No, we're we're still recording. I, I just put it on. Oh, just, yeah. Still. Like a yeah, intermission screen thing. That's uh okay. We are we are back from uh peeing in each other's mouths. Mm, tasty. Yeah. Electrolytes. <laughs> it's good enough for bear girls, man. It's good enough for me. Yeah. Mama Be- didn't raise no prude. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so the the book I'm reading right now is uh it's Dave McGowan. It's uh, primed to kill or programmed to kill rather the politics of serial murder. 
Um, which, you know, it's interesting. It has, uh, some issues common to this kind of literature, uh, one second, um, where, you know, another prominent example would be, um, Russ Baker's, uh, Family of Secrets, which is about, um, George H.W. Bush's uh, trajectory through um, trajectory through the CIA, his involvement in um, the uh, Kennedy assassination, his involvement in the oil industry, uh, et cetera. Um, but you know, a lot of these texts kind of have the issue of. Uh, making statements of fact, by which I mean making factual statements, referring to things which are documented facts, and um, either explicitly or non-explicitly, just sort of like saying to you, see, you know, it's kind of like, like if, if, you know, if you've had a cat, an outdoor cat, you know, they bring you dead animals that right. they've killed <laughs> yeah. and they show them to you and they're like, look, you know, that's what this kind of literature uh, has the problem of doing where, you know, they gather uh, little facts um, like dead animals and are like, see? Um, but so this book is, it's interesting. Um, scrolling through it now, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it also just has the problem of not being really a coherent um, argument. Uh, it, it goes through kind of different sections of, um, you know, dealing with uh, child sex trafficking, serial murder. Um, and, you know, I think it is worth reading the first section or so that is regarding uh, child sex trafficking, because there's a lot of like interesting shit in there that I think um, you can learn about from like reading about uh, um, uh, the Franklin scandal or, or uh, not so much Epstein, but um, you know, one scandal, which I think a lot of Americans would not be privy to is uh, the Detroux affair in uh, Belgium, which is uh, um, much more, I think people could reasonably take issue with that characterization, but it's much more, in my opinion, much more sinister than um, the Epstein matter because it did actually result in murders. Um, as far as I know, Epstein didn't kill anybody. Um, so Detroux was a, a child sex trafficker, um, I believe in the 80s or 90s in Belgium. Um, he, the revelation of his crimes, I believe resulted in uh, the resignation of like two government ministers, um, not necessarily because they were named, but because of- uh, Association. Having to, yeah, I mean, having to make sort of sacrificial lambs because of uh, mismanagement of the investigation, meaning, you know, again, like Epstein, you know, association with uh, high-powered people. And so the investigation similarly is sort of uh, stalled, just as, you know, Epstein, again, 
with Epstein, worth worth stating and reminding people, you know, uh, when he died in the MCC, he had been out and free for over a decade because of um, a sweetheart deal. You know, he had been yeah. caught already. It wasn't. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, <clears throat> I just pulled up my my Google so I could. It was Jim Acosta, right? Yeah, I think so. I or know it was a James, James Acosta. Yeah. Um, you know, but um, the so the book it deals with um Alexander Acosta. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Jim Acosta <laughs> is a reporter. Right. Yeah. Who probably has not. I don't think he's well, diddled. Kids. Yeah, he probably hasn't diddled kids. Never um, um, would be unlike reporters to do that. Yeah, um, Alexander well, Acosta, the former uh, Secretary of Labor, basically gave uh, this like sweetheart deal to Epstein for really no reason except for literally, uh, yeah, <laughs> like like there's no reason for him to have done this except for they were on friendly terms with each other in some way. Right. Yeah, and I, I mean that that truly is like. What is so wild about all of these cases is that there is just a there is always a question of logical conceivability and why would this happen this way? You know, and to your point, why would someone offer someone who has been accused of and charged with trafficking underage girls? Why would that guilty of as well? (laughs) Yeah. Why would that person get a sweetheart deal? Unless it is, you know, uh, in the deal maker's interest to do that, or they're being told to. But um, anyway, so the the book also it goes into um, kind of uh, it, it draws on the Mancurian candidate um, and MK Ultra, and you know talks about basically the the history, the CIA's history of an interest in um, attempting to create you know, uh, mind-controlled assassins by essentially taking people who are prone to dissociation and further wrecking their psyches by means of, um, you know, drugs or uh, ECT. um, I mean, that's where we get a lot of the fun psychedelics from, too. Yeah, definitely. and and I think, again, like in my comparison to this, the McGowan book to the uh, Russ Baker book, you know, there's always these, there are kernels of truth. There are just sometimes these sort of fantastic leaps of logic where uh, you kind of just have to go or it's incumbent upon the reader to go, what? Like, I don't, you haven't made that case. Like you've presented a fact and can, connected it to another fact but um your reading isn't much more credible than the official narrative um and i think you know what's funny too is that the official narrative is oftentimes not i mean the official narrative is always a limited hangout you know like there are the limited hangouts and then there is the official narrative, which is itself a limited hangout. Um, there's always an acceptable range of truth 
that uh, the state is willing to um, cop to. And um, yeah, and it's usually on like a convenient time delay, like yeah, we'll, and, and we'll, I mean, we'll, like, we'll learn twenty years from now, uh, you know, <laughs> how much involvement the CIA had with QAnon. Um, and at that point, it's like, oh, well, who can you really bring to task over that? Nobody, because they're all, yeah. it's all a different organization uh, of, of people now. Um, so, yeah. Well, it's also, I mean, it's worth mentioning, like, vis-a-vis both QAnon and MKUltra, that um, the CIA's charter explicitly prohibits and proscribes uh, the CIA operating on, among, honor among uh u.s citizens or u.s borders but it does that anyways and in this also to revisit the matter of the deep state you know um the the cia is something of an autocephalous auton auton autonomous second beer sitting autonomous um you know organization or entity unto itself its interest is not uh, you know, it's not in a lockstep with stated foreign policy interests or the stances of the United States government. Um, yeah, I mean that 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 could be its own talk all by itself. Is uh, <clears throat> you know, you, you you and I have chatted about this before, but the CIA is uh, possibly like the most dangerous organization in the world uh, because it's it's just doing its own thing and it has the implicit support of the the american government um because it's an american government agency but it's not really serving the american government and it does whatever it wants and uh because the american government relies on it for lots of things the american government then has to like back it and all these like Right. Could do fucking things that the CIA does as like a rogue yeah. agency. Yeah, I mean, excuse me. You know, MK Ultra being an example, and then there's you know uh, the program covered by uh, John Ronson in uh, the Men Who Stare at Goats. You know, like yeah, the CIA was literally trying to fucking create Jedi's like for decades. Yep, you know through lsd and an ect yeah, uh, yeah. And, and it's like nobody asked them to do that they were just like wouldn't yeah, it be cool if we had like mind uh mind controlled fucking jedi warriors running yeah. around killing people yeah I mean, and, and we, we control them so everything they do is good uh but you know <laughs> your, average, your average senator is like if you sat them down and said are you okay with this it'd be like what the fuck no mm-hmm. You know, um, but so anyway, the the McGowan book, though, you know, Mancurian candidate, MK Ultra, uh, using people prone to dissociation to do, to turn them into Mancurian candidate type uh, assassins, etc. Um, it seems to, what's interesting, though, is it, it the cover of the book is, um, it, uh, just one second, it has a number of, serial killer names on it but it's most what's the name of the book i'll I'll look it up Uh, and i'll put it up on program to kill the politics of serial murder 
So the front cover is like a who's who of serial killers, you know, <laughs> Kemper, Bundy, Son of Sam, uh, Manson, uh, the Hillside Stranglers, uh, oh, there's yeah. Pro, Gacy, et cetera. But it's mostly about Henry Lee Lucas, who is an odd case among serial killers simply because his kill count is somewhere around 600. Um, but the issue is of um, the fact that he was, he was paraded around the United States to various law enforcement agencies uh, to use as a way to close cases. Um, and this happens periodically throughout American history. Um, one other example would be, uh, well, first it's worth saying, so Henry Lee Lucas claimed to have been trained by a satanic cult to be an assassin. I haven't read enough about him to, to I, I think that a claim like that is on its face outlandish, but uh, the other point that, you know, periodically known killers, known multiple murderers are used to close cases. Um, I think... There is it's a repeat thing that the police and FBI do. Um, one example would be um, Wayne. I can't remember his last name. The guy who was uh, convicted ultimately of committing the um, Atlanta child murders, um, who, you know, if you research the case, it's certain that it's, it's a certainty that he committed at least some of them, but not all of them. Um, yeah. Even that, by- that was actually a, a really good show that um, I'm sad was canceled, but uh, it was called mind Hunter that. Oh yeah. That had that case as, as one of its like uh story arcs. Yeah. I didn't know it was canceled. Damn. Bummer. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's super sad because it was really good. And and I have this theory that the main character is actually also like a sociopath himself. Um, and I wanted to see that play out, but it never, never did. And yeah. Now, now all yeah. we have is just sadness. That's life. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just sadness and disappointment. So it's Wayne. Hold on. Get it right. Wayne Williams. I knew it was an alliterative name. Um, So he, I mean, the murders that he was convicted of are fewer than the murders he is suspected of having committed because the murders he's suspected of having committed uh, just simply, you know, the the problem is that. urban crime in, in by urban i'm not dog whistling for black i just simply mean city urban, urban environments right yeah yeah uh you know by chance we'll have the hallmarks of um of serial murders you know uh, if you think because most serial murders uh victimize at-risk populations um you know i think yeah i mean me- the the you know the archetypal sort of like case of serial murder the the first serial murder is jack the ripper and he was right. killing yeah, exactly. uh, prostitutes um yeah yeah uh sex workers 
Um, I'm not anti-prostitute or sex worker or anything like that. And if anybody thinks that me saying the term prostitute is is yeah. me uh, also making a, a moral judgment on on that kind of work, I'm not. Um, yeah. I, I've done worse things for money, um, which is uh, literally being a part of the military. So, yeah. So yes, that's true. Uh, you are bad. Thank um, you. Yes, that's what I that's what I came here for. Yeah, I wanted I wanted somebody to call me bad. <laughs> moral moral degradation after after me pissing in your mouth. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there's Wayne Williams, and then there's also um, Israel Keys, who is not widely known, but is a fascinating case study. Um, and and I want to make the remark too about Henry Lee Lucas that you know the the problem with serial murders is that sociopaths lie they get off on being taken seriously they get off on um people believing them having a credulous attitude towards them um there are ways in which obviously you can use that to your advantage in dealing with people like that um because they're not immune to manipulation themselves but um you know, if you've got someone dead to rights on a set of murders, and uh, unfortunately in this day and age, you know, this type of commentary is often deployed in the case of school shootings. You know, don't say their don't say their name, don't glorify them, blah blah blah. And then the next breath, they're saying, you know, uh, John Doe killed fifty fucking kids or whatever. And it's right. like, all right, well, can't have you know. Anyways. Uh, you know, between the degree of media notoriety and the just sort of like um, baked in cognitive patterns, uh, it behooves the serial murderer to lie yeah. uh, and inflate their kill count. Um, Israel Keys, have you heard of Israel Keys? Do you know anything about him? I am unfamiliar with this case, so please, uh, please enlighten me. He's really fascinating because he has connections to, he was a service member um, as well. Um, what are you trying to say, man? <laughs> you know, you're all bad. That's yeah. what I'm okay. saying. Yeah. Um, I'll say it. I don't care. Give me more uh, piss. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, he, I, uh, he has connections. He was raised in the Pacific Northwest. Um, Okay, now, now you're just talking about me at this point. No, actually, no. It, <laughs> no, it, it gets even, it gets even more. It gets even more uh, close to the bone. Uh, his uh, family—they're religious fundamentalists. Uh, God damn it! Yeah, but they were. Um, this is how I find out that I've been in like a psych ward for like 20 years, yeah, and I just imagined yeah. this whole thing. And but it was—they uh, were uh, like Christian identity fundies, um, which. Christian identity for those uh, who don't know is, um, you know, where earlier I was sort of being a little polemical about uh, evangelicals being white, uh, white supremacist death cult, like Christian identity is explicitly, uh, yeah. uh, they are white supremacist Nazis. Um, Blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus is canonical to yeah, <laughs> Christian identitism. Unlike evangelicals, they are much more um, willing to pursue their uh, theological convictions through armed violence against the general 
population. Um, so he, yeah, was he himself, um, at least in the uh, interrogation documentation that is available publicly, uh, is not himself uh, a white supremacist, but um, there was a family, I, their name escapes me now, but they killed, um, they killed a family in like Iowa or one of the sort of flyover Western states. The guy was an arms dealer um, and he, his wife and his daughter were murdered. Um, and then subsequently these, the perpetrators were executed by the state uh, in, in Israel keys had grown up with them. Um, but keys, uh, you know, if you listen to his tapes, his uh, interrogation tapes, you know, is just a grandiose sociopath. He um, makes demands of the interrogators. He pontificates, he's glib. Um, and what's funny is, and this is something that is also true of uh, people with, man, I, the APA would be so pissed if they heard me. Good thing I'm not a fucking psychologist. But it's it's similarly man, true. The, of, the deep state is definitely listening in on us oh, because I, yeah. I, I typed in the word Israel in Google search and keys came up. Yeah, um, you, you ought to look him up. Um, he's he's yeah, wild. I'm, he's, I'm putting him up on the screen right and, now. Well, actually, he off he quote unquote off himself in prison as well. Um, but uh, man, he's got that thing where uh, he doesn't have a jawline. Yeah, that's a, that's a big red flag uh, that I've been noticing people. Yeah, uh, yeah, he was. Uh, oh, Cove, Utah, large Mormon family. Uh, oh, Mormons. Okay, yeah, yeah those but, are. Uh, so literally a white supremacist death cult too. Yeah. So well, he served in the military. Yeah. That sucks. I'm yeah. I'm Israel Keys. <laughs> uh but yeah, the loose bed I was trying to make uh was um yeah, just that, you know, uh, oftentimes it was, oh, this was the point. This was the point, Michael. There we go. We found it. And so we had budget. This yeah. was the point. The point was that, you know, you can't, uh, when dealing with people like that whose psychopathology, um, uh, lends itself be, because they get off on getting uh, getting brownie points for being killers and depraved and you have uh, the state interacting with them in the manner of needing to solve murders it's a, it's a shared madness where you know um both, you know, both sides, uh, the state and that killer, you know, in one hand, they're both, they both hold a nail and in the other, a hammer. And they're just, you know, the killer is whacking the FBI's nail and the FBI is whacking the killer's nail. Uh, 
So in the sense that I, I uh, think that's what a 69 is, right? Yeah, yeah. You They're, know what I mean. I the, think the, that's... the state and the killer are 69ing each other. The the killer has every every reason to aggrandize what they've done. The state yes. also has a reason to aggrandize what the killer has done. Right. And again, <clears throat> and Sorry, I, I have to make everything into a sex term. Yeah, but it also like I mean to that also lays bare the um the nature of law enforcement though is that the law like law enforcement in criminal investigation is not in the business of um truth it's in the business of just clearing that matter off yeah water uh so i i mean the the law enforcement literally creates criminals just by yeah. existing and and then they aggrandize whatever criminals do so that they have justification for existing um, yeah yeah like more like a grandees a grandees what grandees nuts <laughs> oh you ah, got me <laughs> yeah i got you you didn't know <laughs> You didn't know. I got you. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't willingly walk right into that. <laughs> but I mean, in a, in a very real sense, you know, obviously the the test case or the exemplary case of that is, or series of cases rather, is uh, the degree to which uh, the FBI entraps um, disaffected Muslim men uh, between the ages of 18 and 35 oh, in this it- country becoming terrorists yeah and it's also come out that um you know the the whole like plot to kidnap gretchen whitmer the uh yeah governor of michigan was mostly just the fbi like encouraging people to do that so that they could uh then arrest them for wanting to do that not only yeah not only encouraging it then but also like having like embedded operatives in those groups uh so like between and and you know that this also goes back to like the Black Panther days where like the uh, yeah the Black Panthers that were arrested like half of them were FBI agents <laughs> who, who were actively working to uh, to radicalize the Black Panthers towards uh, towards like uh, violence, which yeah. you know I I I won't make the claim that the Black Panthers were wrong. Um, I, I I think. <laughs> The Panthers, in my opinion, were the last uh, truly revolutionary organization. For sure. Yeah, and, and then the FBI since, fucked that up. Right. Um, it's also worth mentioning uh, recently there was a bit of a hoopla on uh, on the Twitters about um, James C. Scott, who is a very famous uh, anarchist anthropologist, um, because it was revealed that he. Uh, in the 60s had supplied information to the cia and i think i I think i sent you some stuff on this about um i think i recall that yeah uh human terrain system hts and there's a there's a woman who's an anthropologist she's got some really goofy name um and by goofy i don't mean ethnic it's just like weird white chick who <laughs> like, she's like basically a pick me morgan with three y's somehow right but uh, her, her parents were like artists and they were associates of ferlin getty in uh san francisco back in the beat days um Interesting. She, uh, she's been like to the degree that like the the american anthropological society or whatever can 
censure someone she's been censured by them she teaches now um not at a real university but like i think it's the naval research academy or something like i I think i'm probably getting the name wrong but something like that um but you know i think this the scott his works are are huge touchstones for uh academic anarchists which to yeah. me is a fundamentally oxymoronic set of terms for sure um, and i really don't I, I it's always amusing to me the degree to which the fact that academia that you know the the right-wing canard about um universities being sites of uh you know attempted indoctrination of kids into marxism or something like that's not true well kind of actually what they what they what they really point to is uh that they're liberal indoctrination uh machines which is which is accurate and then also uh conservatives should probably know that they're also liberals Uh, (laughs) yeah Um, but the, the point being though, that, you know, it's ludicrous that, uh, academics who are, uh, who take themselves very seriously, um, and who are, you know, oftentimes self-identified, uh, you know, leftist radicals of whatever stripe, um, assume that they actually have radical, uh, political capacity, which is just simply not true. Uh, the university is fundamentally a site of, uh, state intervention, state interest of capital. There's so much we could get into on that, but, but really it's, a it's, it's kind of like a neoliberal conservative machine. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the, the most recent thing, and it, I, I don't know if I told you this. I, I recently started going back to school. Um, I'm, I'm finishing up my useless art degree. Art degree. Yeah. Hey, I have a master's in the humanities, so uh, you're going to be a good company. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and what's funny is uh, I, I have already done all my art classes. I mean, you, you can look behind me. I do paintings and stuff. I haven't worked on this one in a while because I've been very busy with lots of things. But um and and also I need a different space to finish it um, because I, I need to start throwing paint at the wall like a madman. Um, but I can't do that because I rent this place and that'll uh, that'll fuck me over on the uh, the uh, the back end. Um, yeah. Either way, um, but but it's it's funny because uh, the the classes I had to take now are all the general education classes. And so yeah. I'm taking uh, descriptive astronomy, which is fun. Um, and it's just like understanding how like the, the planetary bodies work and how stars, yeah. you know, uh, and the earth and its rotation and everything kind of plays I'm just a part. imagining at least like two or three like white girls with dreadlocks who showed up and then we're very disappointed. <laughs> yeah. so I, I mean, we, we have talked about the... Uh, the uh the astrological signs but only in relation to uh how how it's mapping out uh the universe um so yeah they're they're probably disappointed about uh learning that it's just like 
the rotational physics of Earth and, <laughs> and the position of the sun um, that that uh, is behind everything in astrology. But um, the other class I'm taking, which which has uh, annoyed me quite a few times now, is stats and sociology. Yeah. And uh, the reason is because it's like a, a very ID politics woke sort of thing. And, you know, this is a this is a community school. So it's it's not that way for no reason. And the reason that I'm saying that uh, that, you know, schools are, are kind of like a, a sort of conservative neoliberal machine is because, you know, we, we we're, we've reached a point we talked about it earlier where whiteness is no longer like an actual color thing anymore. It's kind of a class thing. And uh this is just uh, an exercise in kind of consolidating the class understandings uh, where, okay, yeah, we have to start like admitting more, um, more black and brown folks into the fold in order to maintain these old capitalistic structures. Uh, because if we like completely vehemently deny them, uh, they'll never become like functioning capitalists in, in society. They'll uh, they'll want to revolt. They'll want to fight. They'll want to to destroy the system. Um, and and so that's that's where like I'm frustrated because I'm probably way too fucking old to go to school in the first place. And secondly, like I I, I see the the machinations behind what I'm having to engage uh, with so that I get a fucking degree that says yes he can paint. Uh. <laughs> yeah 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 um well i think to yeah to sort of uh free associate to yet another uh deep state institution because it is a deep state institution the supreme court you know, and, and so you, you know, we 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 did the uh, the episode on Ukraine uh, on Friday, but actually, what I was originally planning on talking about was the shadow docket of the Supreme Court. Uh, um, that's been pushed off to probably this this next uh, podcast recording. But yeah, no, the the uh, the Supreme Court is whew, fucking crazy. <laughs> Well, the point I wanted to make, though, is like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Biden just uh, nominated um, Ketanji. Uh, oh, did he so actually make a nomination? Brown, I believe, is her last name. Or I, I don't Maybe that's too on the nose. Maybe I'm being racist myself. Yeah. Well, uh, but the point is, though, she's a Harvard graduate. Um, she is married to a sixth generation uh, Harvard. Ketanji Brown Jackson. Yes, and yes, she's got one of those fun hyphenated last names that uh, I love so much. Um, but you know, the uh, again to the point about white supremacy not needing not needing white people to enact it, assuming and assuming or characterizing just for the sake of brevity it, what the white what the Supreme Court is doing as uh, white supremacy, but also upholding the interests of capital in uh, this country's um, disgusting uh, in a moral evil uh, form policy. A, a funny uh, thing that's come out recently that I think should be noted in in this conversation is um, Clarence Thomas, the uh, the black yeah. Supreme Court guy, 
his wife was actually uh, directly uh, involved with the January 6th uh, riot oh, stuff. It's not surprising. Yeah, she's yeah. a huge Trump surrogate. Yeah, but, um, they're, they're, they're both extremely conservative. Um, and and but, she's white, he's black, but like that doesn't mean anything to their politics, really. Right. Well, and point being, though, is that, you know, the Supreme Court, you know, <laughs> is not rep- the people that serve on the Supreme Court, regardless of their individual demographic data, are not representative of the United States. They all are Ivy League educated. They all yep. spent their entire adult lives in the social sphere um, of the Ivy Leagues and of Washington, D.C., people who spend those spend their time in both of those environments are so uh it's i I mean the the the, yeah the the uh description of the swamp was apt by trump um of course he served the the swamp as well but it is a swamp it's it's a it's a quagmire of morals and ethics that like uh devours everything uh yeah so you know like I don't know anything about her. I'm not trying to impugn her, whatever. Just the point really well, is. You, you know, it, it, the the joke I made in a meme when uh, this was first being talked about was, um, you know, B- Biden is going to nominate a black woman. And that's cool on one hand, but also on the other hand, what kind of black woman is, is he going to nominate? Um, mm-hmm. Because it's it's not going to be... Uh, a radicalized uh you know anti-capitalist anti-corporatist uh uh you know actual do-gooder of things it's it's going to be somebody who upholds the status quo of of uh where we are and what we're doing and uh these are you know unfortunately kind of evil people uh ruth bader ginsburg is upheld as like the the ultimate boss queen of the supreme court and you know think of how many fucking uh indigenous uh people she uh, i I mean ruth Ruth bader ginsburg literally used like 1500s doctrine on native relations to uphold pipelines through their lands like that that's not boss queen shit that that's horrific capitalist corporatist garbage and uh biden has never done anything good for the for the communities of uh, minorities in america if you if you look at his record he's behind some of the most like yeah destructive bills uh aimed at uh, black and brown people in, uh, in America. Um, yeah. So, you know, he, he, he can, uh, he, he can nominate as, as many, uh, black women as he wants to the Supreme court. But, you know, I, 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 I will freely say this. They're, they're all fucking uncle Tom's. That's Ooh. all they are. And I don't Ooh. care. Kamala Harris is an uncle Tom. I don't give Ooh. a shit. I will fucking I... say it. I will fucking preach it from, from the mountain i will get stones thrown at me for it i i don't care she is an uncle tom she has put more people of color in prison than any fucking racist ever has any racist well maybe not not any racist but like any any fucking like powerless racist that just like says the n-word you know (laughs) 
Yeah. Like she, uh, yeah. she's put more people, uh, more people of color in prison than Joe Rogan has. Let's say that. How about that? And, and, you know, yeah. Joe Rogan yeah. of course is a racist and a dumb piece of shit, but, um, yeah. he, he doesn't operate the, the controls and he's, uh, he's not, uh, he's not putting people in prison like Kamala Harris did. And, and Kamala Harris, you know, uh, she she maintained the prison industrial complex so that we would have more firefighters in California uh, who could never actually become firefighters because they had a criminal record. It was literally yeah. slave labor firefighters choking on smoke on the front lines. Like I said, I will gladly say that Kamala Harris is an Uncle Tom. Yeah, I, uh, Sorry if it's I making you uncomfortable, but... <laughs> Sign on to it just because I am a white piece of shit. Um, and I'm not even going to, yeah, I'm just gonna and, say, and, I'm you know, let's let's also put the caveat on it. Like, uh, you mentioned Adolf Reed earlier, Uncle Tom's yeah. don't really exist because you know, black people aren't a monolith, and right. um, you know, yeah. ha- having black skin doesn't mean that you have certain politics or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, but I I do like the uh, the spiciness of Cox <laughs> Uncle Tom. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not that brave. I uh, have the uh, the advantage of brown skin and native heritage, so I can uh, I can get yeah. away with a lot. I think. Yeah, uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren's uh, your great aunt or something. I think that's where you- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we come from the same uh we come from the same tribe <laughs> no, actually yeah. I, I can trace my lineage back to the uh, the apaches which were uh, mostly southwestern so yeah, elizabeth warren is like cherokee and it's like uh yeah everyone is cherokee because yeah. uh uh the rape the and the pillaging that you guys did yeah yeah Well, cool. Uh, sorry that I did all that. That's <laughs> yeah, uh, question my life decisions. Yeah, but I'm, I'm two a- drinks in on a Sunday uh, where where I've been uh, drinking and playing this new game called Elden Ring. Maybe you've heard of it. I, yeah, I have heard of it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I got the remastered Dark Souls a couple weeks or months ago, and I. Uh, I'm not very far. I've cleared the under or the undead Berg. I killed the Taurus demon, but I've not gotten farther than that. It's yeah. uh, just not my play style. So yeah, but Elden Ring looks like it's a little bit more different than uh, it, it's a, it's a good game. I recommend you picking it up. Yeah. I, uh, I redownloaded far cry six. Oh man. It's not good. No, it's a bad game. Uh, far cry five was excellent. The story was compelling. The gameplay was very good. Far Cry 6, the story is not good. And the gameplay uh, is not good. So I'm very displeased with it. Um, Sorry, man. Yeah. And it's uh, it's one of those, you know, Far Cry 6 is fun too because it's, uh, you know, the villain is an analog for like a uh, uh, Castro type figure. And it's... Yeah. Yara instead of Cuba and you know it's an autocratic brutally despotic regime blah 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 um featuring uh 
Giancarlo Esposito as the dictator. But, uh, yeah, it's not good. It's just lazy, not compelling propaganda. Um, And it's also, like, you know, it's funny, like, in in the real world, anytime someone is – trotted out in American politics or media as like a Cuban dissident. It's like, what you mean by Cuban dissident <laughs> is um, a disinherited petite bourgeois <laughs> yeah. like farm owner. Like, they're not a dissident. They're a rich person whose shit was taken from them. Right, yeah. Castro um, power, you know what I mean? The, like the thing that, like, actually most America uh, Americans would want to happen, which is, like, re uh, reallocation of wealth right, power, yeah. is what happened in Cuba and all the Cuban... Uh, folks in Miami um, are kind of the ancestors of <laughs> or, or the, the offspring of, of the ancestors that were owning everything. And yeah. uh, that that's why they're anti-Cuban because it was like, Oh yeah, they came in and they, uh, they told me I'm not allowed to own the, the entire city anymore. I, I only have my house. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, the game is just not, Good. And I've all, I, another, you know, I've also been playing, um, <clears throat> I've been replaying uh, the Modern Warfare franchise. Oh, man. And that, that's an indoctrination tool. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's, it's just wild uh, how. I mean, there, there's literally a Call of Duty uh, game that that reimagines the Highway of Death, which is yeah, America bombing, uh, yeah. retreating uh, Iraqi forces, uh, yeah, and it, it reimagines yeah. as, as as actually Russia did that. Uh, which yeah. Russia also bad. Uh, you know, if if you listen to yeah. our recent episode on Ukraine and Russia, Russia also bad, but uh, also America bad and. Uh, Bad too, Iraq yes. bad, uh, but uh, you know that that was a war crime, um, definitely a war crime. Yeah, um, and uh, despite what the state would like you to believe, two, uh, one or two war crimes don't make a right or whatever. Yeah, two don't make a right. Two war. <laughs> they get it. Oh no. They're tuned in, yeah. but uh, yeah, um, yeah. Video games are video games are a fun little uh, taste of the zeitgeist. I do like. I I will say I think the content of um, the content of the Grand Theft Auto franchise is funny because it is actually like very like incisively satirical. But then obviously with uh, Grand Theft Auto Five, you know yep. they've completely neglected there hasn't been a single story expansion um they've shifted to the micro transaction model the shark cards um something something mark fisher capitalist realism etc yeah exactly yes and i I mean it really is like truly uh yeah it, it is that uh precisely yeah where it's just a complete collapse of uh know how to put it the the simulation it's like a feedback loop of 
or a mirage of the simulation and the real and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, I, uh, Audriard, Fisher, uh, Nick Land, probably also rolling over in his grave. I don't think Nick Land is alive anymore. <laughs> yeah, he probably, yeah, he probably had some sort of dead man on his Twitter where he like, just like, you know, for all the meth he does, like just yeah. sat up a couple months straight, just writing tweets. Yeah. And like, it's, it's all, it's all just like pre-programmed yeah. <laughs> hyperstitious uh, <laughs> tweeting. Yeah. yeah. Um, I am excited for uh, the next installment of the Elder Scrolls. Oh, that's, man. That's- no way. What do you mean no way? You don't like after, the other after after Fallout seventy six, you still have hope in Bethesda making a game. Come on, come on. I, I guess what I'll say is whenever uh, Starfield comes out, I'll well, I'll use yeah. Well, the- we'll know then. I think yeah. Because even then, like, because that's still a few years away. Because the most recent video they posted for that was um, yeah, it was just some pre recorded shit. It was yeah, it was art. It was concept yeah. art, and they were like, yeah, this is coming out any day. Uh, all right well i i think we've reached the uh the useful conclusion to our conversation um play your games take your meds eat your green vegetables yeah i mean you can oh oh dodge the wrong way uh the shirt in the background we love you please take your medicine the front has the uh the tbrd logo on it um yeah, no, this uh, this was good, and uh, we'll we'll have to do this more often again. Um, it was just two hours of ranting and raving about Kenny Deadlers, the CIA, yeah. and Satanists. Find, finding a uh, a title for this is going to be difficult, but I'll 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 manage to do it while I'm uploading things. Um, but yeah, no, uh, thank thanks for coming on. Uh, good good conversation. I think we covered a lot of stuff that. Uh, that more people need to think about and know about maybe um more people do need to think about fucking kids oh that's not what i meant at all um, There's your <laughs> yeah. more people need to think about uh yeah doing that i'm not gonna yeah. say it out no, loud no, nobody can clip me <laughs> i'm not saying they should be fucking kids i'm saying they yeah. should be thinking about the fact that how many Kids People are being yeah, yeah. the rich are the rich are uh you know getting their jollies on abusing the most vulnerable. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and how it kind of all just uh, boils down to class, not necessarily race uh, anymore. I mean, race was was always a way of maintaining class structure, but uh, now that that's kind of yeah. gotten away from them, they have to realign to just class structure. On a serious note. To close it out. Yes, please. Adolf Reed, Adolf Reed, uh, Walter Ben Michaels, uh, Ken Warren, who's at the University of Chicago, who I studied with. And then there's also um, the book, I can remember the title of its racecraft. It's published by Verso. Barbara Fields, it's two sisters. Uh, Barbara Fields, I don't remember the other woman's name. Um, very good. Uh, Racecraft, The Soul of Inequality in American Life by Barbara J. Fields and Karen Elise Fields. Yes. Yeah, highly recommend. Putting that up on the screen real quick so people can see it. Yeah. um, And uh, as far as Walter Ben Michaels go, um, 
uh, our America. It's um, it's literary history, but it's about uh, sort of it's like kind of a Freudian um, look at like white sexuality in uh, fiction dealing with race and like the gen the white gentry. Uh, it's very it's worth reading. Um, Ken Warren. Uh, he had a book called What Was African-American Literature? Um, and then Adolf Reed, I think. Hey, Adolf more- Reed is a guy that I uh, I follow pretty closely. and um, I, yeah, I, you want- I, I love his work. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm sure I, I uh, mention him a lot. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he... He he does a lot of really good work and and you know like I said earlier like I I said all the Uncle Tom stuff but then also I I put the uh, the caveat on it that like listen to somebody like Adolf Reed and understand that uh, the the black uh, identity isn't a monolith and there's a lot right. of varying different uh, uh, yeah I mean political I think so. ideologies that 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 exist in the black community that you you can't say the black community is is a uh, and, and you know this, this is you know like liberals and, and democrats especially like misunderstand this to think oh why aren't we getting the black vote or, or why why you know why are we struggling with the black vote and it's like well black people are just as capable of agreeing to you know conservative beliefs or uh, really left-wing ideologies as anybody else it's, it's not a it's not a race thing yeah i think read or any of those scholars mention <laughs> my name, you know, the uh, uh, average woke lib type would say that um, they would say that calling someone an Uncle Tom is itself racist, whereas the that the Reed, Ben Michaels, Warren Field school of thought would be to say that it's actually it's that call out is itself what's racist because if you're claiming it's racist. To call someone uh, a race traitor, Uncle Tom, you're yourself reinscribing or restating uh, that um, racial identity um, necessarily means uh, yeah, essential political bent or whatever. Um, which you know, just ain't what it is, folks. Yeah, I just felt like being spicy because uh, you know, typically we have uh, on the religious deconstruction episodes calls for violence. Um, <laughs> violence? Yeah, we've done that yeah. here and there. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've, I've urged people to murder the children. I think. Yeah, here and there. Um, yeah, yeah and it, it just felt uh, appropriate for me to for for me to go off like that. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank thank you for uh, coming on. Um, hopefully, we'll do this maybe next week or the week after. Um, yeah, I mean, now that Super uh, Super Bowl happened, football's over. I became a Oh yeah, you, you were you were following who who played in the Super Bowl this year? Can you tell me offhand? Yeah, it was uh, the Bengals, which was my team versus Shut the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Oh fuck! And, uh, oh, he Bengals actually watched were, it. Fuck. The Bengals, <laughs> the Bengals were fucking robbed in the last by <laughs> uh, fucking bad calls. Uh, wow, you that's know? really interesting, and I care. Um, We'll, we'll have to do a whole episode on that. 
right. for. Um, as always, we love you. Please take your medicine, etc. Yeah. Burp into the microphone. Yeah. Nice. Uh, this guy's been, dude's 